Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to The Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Counterfeit gospels proclaiming a counterfeit Christ, preached by counterfeit apostles, produce counterfeit Christians. Those are the tares that Jesus is talking about. Those are the tares Jesus is warning us about. No wonder we're exhorted to make our calling and election sure. Happy Good Friday. Today we put the wraps on Pastor Sam's message, The Wheat and the Tares. We finish with a few more thoughts on the parable of the wheat and the tares, and then a review of the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, starting in verse 31 of Matthew 13. Let's listen in. So there are counterfeit gospels, and then there are counterfeit Christ. We're warned about this by Jesus himself. He says in Matthew 24, and we'll look at this in some depth at some point, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Many will come saying, I am. False Christ, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So Jesus warns us there will be false Christ. They'll preach a false gospel, they'll promote a false hope, and they'll present themselves as, some of them, as that Christ, that hope. Paul tells us in writing to the church in Thessalonica that the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. And he goes on to say, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The lawless one he speaks of is the Antichrist. He opposes Christ and puts himself in the place of Christ. Hey, that guy is coming. And when he does, multitudes will worship him as the Christ. False gospel, false Christ, Listen to what Paul tells the Corinthian believers. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit whom you've not received, or a different gospel which you've not accepted, you may well put up with it. Later in that same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, down around verse 13, he moves from false gospels and false Christ to false apostles. And he says, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, if there are false gospels and false Christ and false apostles, that explains to us what's happening with the wheat and the tares. Counterfeit Gospels proclaiming a counterfeit Christ, preached by counterfeit apostles, produce counterfeit Christians. Those are the tares that Jesus is talking about. Those are the tares Jesus is warning us about. No wonder 
we're exhorted to make our calling and election sure. Be sure you're in the faith. Why? Because I would think most people who go to church or even are caught up in a cult, believe themselves to be the genuine article, the real thing. Of course, Jesus says, many will come saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Talking of the wonderful things they did for him and in his name. What's his response? I never knew you. Who are those multitudes? Who are those people? They're the tares spoken of here. Planted among the church, but not really a part of the church. Listening, joining in, having an experience, but never really experiencing him. Now, we know that this happens because Jesus chose 12 to be with him. And one of those 12, he later tells us, was the son of perdition. Not a son of the kingdom, not a son of the king, not a son that fell away or changed fathers if such a thing is possible in that realm. No, he says a son of perdition. Judas never belonged to the Lord and he was in good company. And so be careful, be sure. Don't be one that thinks, well, I go to church, I must be saved. I sing the songs, I must be worshiping. It's possible to come and to sing and to study and, and yet never really be converted. Make sure that doesn't happen to you. Make sure that doesn't happen to those you love. Well, that brings us then to the spread part of this sandwich there in verse 31. He says, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable, and we might as well look at these two together. He spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. And all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. Without a parable, we're told, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world." The parable of the mustard seed, two basic schools of interpretation. Danny Lehman and I talked about this at some length because he works for a missions organization. And missions often see this and interpret this as being the ultimate spread of the good word of God, the good news of God, the gospel of God into the whole world. They see the mustard seed as that seed that starts so small and then gradually becomes large enough that everyone can find a place and fit in. The leaven likewise then becomes the gospel that permeates and penetrates till it fills the whole world. And I want to say I have no problem with an understanding that God's word can and will ultimately spread to the whole world. Happened in the first century, it'll happen again in the 21st century. But the real question is, are these parables teaching us that the gospel is going to get out, or do we look elsewhere for that and get other insight from this? The school of interpretation that I'm more comfortable with here would see this mustard seed's growth as unnatural, larger outwardly than God intended. 
If, in fact, that's the picture he's giving us, and I believe it is, that, that just like the parable of the sower, lots of seed being sown with various results, just like the parable of the wheat and the tares, the church growing, but, well, it's growing larger outwardly than it is growing inwardly. Why? Because anybody can go to church. But in order to be a part of the church, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God. That's his testimony, Jesus' testimony. Now, if in fact this is picturing an abnormal growth of the church, well, we can see that in church history. And those who look on at the church and talk about the crusades and the horrible things that happened in them, all of the bizarre things that Christians have done over the ages, listen, Jesus wasn't responsible for any of that. That's the answer to, well, what about all those abominations? You're right, they happened. But Jesus isn't responsible for them. That was people claiming to represent him that were doing their own thing. In fact, they were doing things unbiblical in many instances and situations. So the church outwardly, like the kingdom outwardly, Filled with believers and unbelievers. That being the case, the birds here, as they were in the parable of the sower, would represent evil in the church. Now we'll see that certainly when he uses the term leaven, we're going to see that he uses it in that way. Well, throughout the Old and New Testament. But, but here the picture is, the birds, and if the birds were evil in the parable of the sower, I'm sort of sticking with that in this parable and saying, well, now there's evil influence within the church. Not just the tares, but the enemy himself infiltrating doctrinally and, and otherwise. Well, this view then is consistent with the first parables, and we find many, most, in fact, for one reason or another, either falling away or turning out to be counterfeits. He mentions the parable of the leaven. He gives us just one verse for this parable. And you need to know the first time leaven is ever mentioned in Scripture is in the context of instructions concerning the celebration of the Passover feast. They were to remove the leaven before they celebrated that seven-day feast in commemoration of them coming out of Egypt in haste, not having time to add the yeast, to add the leaven, so the bread could rise. And so what happens is he says, we're going to celebrate that event every year. I want all the leaven out of the house. I want no leaven in the bread. You're not to have leaven for seven days. And you'll find that in Exodus chapter 12, verses 15 and 19. The first mention of leaven in the New Testament is here in Matthew 13. And of the 24 references to leaven in Scripture, 13 of them in the New Testament. Now, leaven simply yeast, and to the best of my knowledge, is neither good nor bad in and of itself. Well, unless you're baking bread. In that case, leaven's good. I, I don't know if you've ever had any unleavened bread. I'm not against it, but if you make it, you better make it flat, and you better make it thin. And here's why. We had this guy, Ed, that used to bake for us at some of our men's fellowships and stuff, and, and this guy didn't put leaven in his buns, and his buns were so hard, these biscuits or whatever they were, you could literally break teeth on them, nail nails with them, 
And so leaven has got to be good physically. The question becomes, is it good spiritually? And even as he warns us in the parable of the wheat and tares about counterfeits, I believe Jesus is warning us here to watch out for the leaven of false doctrine, false profession, false religion. Well, here are four ways the scripture, the New Testament, speaks of leaven. The Apostle Paul speaks of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus speaks of the Pharisees and Sadducees. In fact, Jesus says, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, the disciples at this point, they're a little bit confused. They're thinking, oh, we forgot bread and he's upset. But Jesus, knowing what's going on in their brain, says, how do you not understand? I didn't speak concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And you'll find this, by the way, in Matthew 16. We'll look at it when we get there. Then they understood he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread. Why? No problem if it's bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He likens the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees to leaven. Now, when you understand how leaven works and what it does, this all starts to really make sense. He says that the leaven was hid in three measures of meal. It's introduced secretly, and then it permeates completely. The three measures of meal should be a clue to those of you who are students of the Old Testament that this wasn't a good thing, and here's why. The three measures of meal was a fellowship offering. The meal offering was supposed to be about fellowship, and there was to be no leaven in the fellowship offering, and so this is secretly introduced And then it begins to permeate till it has permeated the entire loaf. Now, you bring that into the spiritual realm. Jesus warns us about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees, you see, were guilty of hypocrisy, ritualism, worship. Well, works without worship, excuse me, religion without relationship. And we want to be careful because we can get ourselves in the place where we're doing the very things we used to do for right reasons, but our motivations have changed. Or we're just going through the motions. That was the state of the Pharisees. And if you think it can't happen in the church, you need to read the seven letters to the seven churches. Church at Ephesus, they were doing all the good things they started out doing, but they had left their first love. No longer motivated by love for the Lord or a desire to please the Lord, just doing church, just doing good works, just doing good things, but their hearts were far from him. So the Pharisees were guilty of a sin we want to make sure we are not guilty of. Hypocrisy, mere ritualism, just going through the motions, working for the Lord without a real attitude of worship toward the Lord, having a religious life, but not a real relational life with the Lord. The Sadducees, well, they were sort of opposites of the Pharisees. They were the liberal theologians of their day. They were the materialists. They were more political than spiritual. They would have fit into our 
politically correct society, you see. They wouldn't be offending anyone. All they wanted to do was feather their nest and have a comfortable life and have some prestige and some power. They weren't worried about things spiritual or eternal. They didn't even believe in those things. And yet, like many today, they were spiritual leaders among the men who followed after them. Well, Jesus later warns in Mark 8.15 to take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Herod's life filled with compromise, corruption, worldliness, perversion. And if your life is characterized by compromise, God would have you repent today. If you're corrupt in your thinking or your attitudes or your lifestyles, if you're worldly and perverse, then you got to see you are leavened. And there's a warning. It comes up twice. We'll, we'll see it in the next two examples or illustrations where we're told a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Something every baker is well aware of. It doesn't take a whole lot of leaven to produce very good leavened bread. And it doesn't take very much leaven to pervert what otherwise would be pure and useful and a blessing to the Lord and to other people. We're warned about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaven of Herod, the leaven of sexual immorality, As the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he'd gotten wind of the fact that there was actually a man in that fellowship that was living in an incestuous relationship. And as horrible as that was, the church's response to it was even worse. Why? Because like many today, they thought the highest virtue was tolerance. But tolerance of evil, of sin, of corruption, of perversion... That's that's no good at all. You see, if you love someone, you speak the truth in love. You don't just say, "Well, it's his thing, it's their thing. It's not, you know, it's not bothering me." No, it is bothering you. It's warping the very name you wear, Christ Christian. It's misrepresenting the Lord. So. He, he tells them, listen to Paul's words as he writes to them, your glorying is not good. Don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, going back to the very first mention of all this, our Passover was sacrificed for us. Now, what this tells us is though we can never make the ultimate judgment, who's a Christian and who's not, who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell, if someone is involved in behavior that's absolutely unbiblical, we are to confront that issue in love with the goal of restoration, of bringing them around, of bringing them to their senses. And we're to do it because we love them, motivated by love, ministering in love. We speak the truth in love. And the goal is to get people to turn from their sin and turn to him. Why? Because many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And he'll say, I never knew you. You see, a tear thinks it's a weed. And that's the ultimate tragedy of these parables and, and what they're teaching us. The tear is deceived and deceiving. Well, 
the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaven of Herod, the leaven of sexual immorality, and then the leaven of legalism. Paul uses the very same words as he writes to the Galatian church, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The context is completely different. They had somehow gotten caught up in the idea that starting with Jesus was well and good, but you needed to well, get under the law to become legalistic in your relationship to the Lord and with the Lord in order to please the Lord. Well, listen to what Paul says, and, and we would do well to take heed, lest we end up like the Pharisees or the Sadducees or Herod or the sexually immoral or those here caught up in legalism. Stand fast, he says, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. That was their issue. Good to start with Jesus, but you got to be circumcised. you got to keep the law of Moses. We've gone down this road before. And if you're unfamiliar with it, hey, get the tapes on Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 specifically deals with this issue in depth. But he says, I testify again to you that if a man becomes circumcised, he's a debtor to keep the whole law. And you've become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You've fallen from grace. And then having shared more with him, he finally says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So what does this teach us? What does this tell us? That when the world accuses the church of being filled with perversity and, and man, I, I just don't even have a word for it. It's beyond me. Just say, listen, you're right. But let me show you something in the Bible. Jesus says that he's planted wheat, good seeds, sons of the kingdom, sons of the king. And an enemy has sowed there in that same field. Well, the seed that are the sons of perdition, the sons of the wicked one, the sons of the devil. And yes, there is leaven in the church. And yes, things need to change. But don't let that keep you away. Don't let that keep you from repenting. Don't let that keep you from changing. You see, the day of judgment is coming. The angels will gather and separate out those that belong to the Lord from those that don't. So ultimately, the question would be today, in this context, are you a wheat or a tear? Have you been sown by the Lord? Do you know that you're chosen by Him, saved by Him, and for Him? Are you representing Him? And if you know it, then the whole thing of, hey Lord, weed out anything in me, any hint of Phariseeism or Sadduceeism, any, anything of Herod or sexual immorality or legalism, Lord, I know all of those things kill and defile and distort and destroy. If you're a believer here, the Lord just wants us to represent him rightly. And if you're an unbeliever, today is the day of salvation. And we're going to bow our heads in a moment and we're going to pray together and we're going to give you an opportunity to make a decision. Listen, there is a false gospel preached and promoting a false Christ preached by false apostles that produces false counterfeit Christians. Make sure that doesn't happen to you. Depart from me. 
the three most horrific words anyone could ever hear if they come from the mouth of the Lord. Now, how a person can live their life out thinking they are saved, only to find in the end not so, it's a very frightening mystery to me, but it will be a reality for many. However, we know that when we are born again, we are given the Holy Spirit as a pledge or a promise of our inheritance, and the Holy Spirit will cause fruit to come from our lives, and he will empower us to do what Paul exhorted the church in Philippi to do, to continue to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Simply put, to live out or practice, demonstrate and exhibit a love and worshipful respect for the Lord. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.